Mr. Seagolt had said that the roof of his house had caught on fire, but fortunately the neighbor had seen it and possible disaster was averted with only minor damage. A minute later, a woman stood up and she said, I have a praise too. I'm Mr. Seagolt's insurance agent. You know what she was thinking, cha-ching, deductible, higher premium, more commission, yeah. There was a mother that invited some people to dinner. At the table, she turned to her six-year-old daughter and said, Would you like to say the blessing? I wouldn't know what to say, the girl replied. Just say what you hear mommy say, the mother answered. The little girl bowed her head and with sincerity in her voice said, Lord, why on earth did I invite all these people over for dinner? Parents, think about it before you ask your child to say the blessing next time. Now, today I told you we're going to look at a, a the bigger and bl- better blessing. And I said I want the bigger and better blessing. And we're going to learn from an Old Testament personality. His name is Jacob. And we're going to highlight some of the moments in Jacob's life that are referred to in Genesis 25 down to verse 30, uh, chapter 32. And I'm going to encourage you on your own time, read Genesis chapters 25 through 32. We're just going to highlight different points regarding his life. And I want to begin by pointing out what the word reveals happened at his birth. He was blessed at birth. He was blessed at birth. Look what the Bible reveals in Genesis 25, beginning with verse 20, down to verse 26. Genesis 25, verses 20, down to verse 26. It says, Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah as wife, the daughter of Bethiel, the Syrian of Padan Aram. And it says, the sister of Laban, the Syrian. Now Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord granted his plea. And Rebekah, his wife, conceived. But notice, the children, say children. The children struggled together within her. And she said, if all is well, why am I like this? So she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb. Two peoples shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other. And notice the last statement there. And... The older shall serve the younger. So when her days were fulfilled for her to give birth, indeed, there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red. He was like a hairy garment all over. So they called his name Esau. Afterward, his brother came out and his hand, think of that, took hold of Esau's heel. So his name was called Jacob. Or Jacob in Hebrew meaning heel grabber. One who pulls the leg. And then it says there, Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. So we see that from birth, the younger Jacob was already blessed. It was predicted, it was prophesied that he would be stronger. And his tribe, then his older brother Esau and his tribe. So this was inferring that there would be a multiplication of blessing conferred and realized in the life of Jacob, the younger one. He was blessed at birth. 
But then as we proceed, fast-forwarding, studying his life as he grows into adulthood, we discover that he begins to scheme for blessing. He starts exercising scheming for blessing. One day his brother comes in tired, weary from working outdoors in the field, and he's hungry. And we read about it in Genesis 25, 29 to 34. Genesis 25, 29 to 34 says, Now Jacob cooked a stew. Wouldn't it have been great if it was abundigas? It says, Now Jacob cooked a stew, and Esau came in from the field, and he was weary. He was tired. And Esau said to Jacob, Please feed me with that same red stew. Think of abundigas with this bread, right? You got that, yeah, um, You know where pastor's going. For I am weary. Therefore his name was called Edom. But Jacob said, sell me your birthright as of this day. And Esau said, look, I am about to die. So what is this birthright to me? And Jacob said, swear to me as of this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. It wasn't abonigas, it was little beans. A stew of little beans. And he ate and drank, arose and went his way. Watch this. Thus Esau despised or lightly esteemed his birthright. He treated his birthright as if it had no value. But what we discover in Deuteronomy 21.17 is that the birthright gave you headship in the family. It gave you the headship Of the family. And it gave you a double inheritance. It gave you a double portion of the inheritance. Think about it. For a bowl of bean soup. Esau surrendered. Gave up his birthright. That would have given him a place of prominent authority. As well as provision. He surrendered it because he lightly esteemed it. He failed to exercise the principle of delayed gratification. What do you mean, Pastor? Esau allowed the lust of the present to cause him to lose what awaited him in the future. Esau allowed the lust of the present to cause him to lose what awaited him in the future. He didn't exercise the delay of gratification. He delayed gratification. I want you to understand that sometimes you've got to hold back from taking what you want at the moment. But understand if God is telling you, child, exercise denying yourself. It's not because He wants to deny you of a blessing. It's because there's a blessing in your future that will be greater than what you're lusting for in the present. So don't give in right now. I'm telling you, blessed is the man that endures temptation because what awaits that man is a crown of life. God will crown you with tender mercy. But he schemed for the blessing. And then we read of another occasion where now he is co-scheming for the blessing. Now he's co-scheming for the blessing. What do you mean, Pastor? Now his mama gets involved. Because you see, we read early on that Jacob was mama's boy. And Esau was daddy's boy. Daddy liked Esau because Esau liked the outdoors. He was a hunter. He was an outdoorsman. But 
We read about Jacob that he was a guy that liked the indoors. He liked chilling. He liked relaxing. He liked he liked, he liked cooking. He liked he, he he liked baking. And that's all right. But that's the, and so Mama was like, hmm, I like him. He can help me. You know, you know how you mamas do it sometimes. Now, y'all, all acting like, no, that wouldn't be me, Pastor. I have no favorites. Okay, let's talk later, okay? But here we see that one day his dad, Isaac, realizing that his days were coming to an end and understanding his patriarch responsibility of conferring a blessing before his death, he calls on his son, Esau, to prepare his favorite meal. But in order for Esau to prepare his favorite meal, he would go and have to go and hunt for it. His, his wife, Rebecca, is listening in on the conversation. And she plots a scheme. She says to her son, Jacob, I'm going to get you another blessing. This is what you need to do. And Jacob's listening to his mom, but saying, how are we going to pull it off? My brother is hairy, and I'm not. His voice is different. She says, you don't worry about the details. I'll take care of it. And we know what happened. She got a a kid and she she, she took a goat and she prepared it. And and she took the the fur of that animal, put it on him around his his neck and his arms. And and, and so he was able, working, co-scheming with his mom to have his dad pass the blessing that was intended for Esau, his brother, on him. This is where we read in Genesis 27, 35 and 36. Genesis 27, 35 and 20, 26, 36 rather. But he said, your brother came with what? Deceit and has taken away your blessing. And Esau said, is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright. And now he has taken away my blessing. And he said, have you not reserved a blessing for me? You see, both Isaac and Esau understood the power of pronounced blessing and cursing. They knew that what had been declared over Jacob would stand, would be fulfilled. They knew the power of the word. They knew that death and life are within the power of the tongue. So Esau from that day has this resentment in him and is set on revenge against his brother. His mom understands, Rebecca, I need to get Jacob out of here. And so she encourages him to go, to go to her brother's house, Laman, Jacob's uncle. And she's hoping and and encouraging him to find a wife among his own people. So he goes. But in Laban, Jacob meets his match. You know the story. Jacob falls in love with Laban's daughter. Rachel. And the Bible tells us she was beautiful in appearance. She was beautiful. She had a sister, an older sister. Her name was Leah. And her name means delicate. Some say because her eyes were delicate or she had a lazy eye. I told them in color, I remember my sister had a doll. 
And this doll had a lazy eye. You know, when they become defective, you have one eye that's open and the other just starts. That's what I think of Leah. And, and, and I see Jacob like checking. He's like, no, not, not Leah. Ooh, but oh, I like, I like Rachel though. And so he says to Laban, Laban says, hey, come on, I'll give you my daughter. But you got to work seven years to have her. Then Laban pulls the fast one. The night of the wedding, the consummation, he slips Leah into the tent. Jacob thinking, it's the sister that he wants, Rachel. But in the morning, he finds out, I'm married. I'm married to the wrong one. I got stuck with lazy eye. He was outwitted, outfoxed. By his father-in-law, Laban. And then he says, I want Rachel. And what does he say? Work for me another seven years. And if you study the history, you discover that Jacob ended up living with Laban's family for 20 years. And he served Laban. And throughout that process, Laban schemed as well against Jacob. In fact, as we're going to read, Jacob points out that Laban cheated him on his wages ten times. But here's another truth I want you to see from the life of Jacob. It is this. You cannot curse what God has blessed. You cannot curse what God has blessed. What do you mean, Pastor? In Genesis 31, we read of the fact that now Jacob says to his wives, his wives, he says to Leah and he says to Rachel, Let's, we need to get out of here. I need to return to my own land. God told me to go back to my land. And they go. And then Laban comes after them. And we read this in Genesis 31, 7 through 13. Yet your father, Jacob says, has deceived me and changed my wages ten times. But God did not allow him to hurt me. If he said thus, the speckled shall be your wages. Then all the flocks bore speckled. And if he said thus, the streaked shall be your wages. Then all the flocks bore streaked. So God has taken away the livestock of your father and given them to me. And it happened at the time when the flocks conceived that I lifted my eyes and saw in a dream. And behold, the rams which leaped upon the flocks were streaked, speckled, and gray spotted. Then the angel of God spoke to me in a dream saying, Jacob. And I said, here I am. And he said, lift your eyes now and see all the rams which leap on the flocks were streaked, speckled, and gray spotted. For I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed the pillar and where you made a vow to me. Now I rise, get out of this land and return to the land of your family. Don't miss it. He said to him, to lay, the, 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 the angel tells Jacob, I am the God of, 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 of Bethel, where you anointed the pillar and where you made a vow to God. You know, that's in Genesis 28. That's when Jacob was leaving to go to Laban's house. And we know what happened, that when he gets there, it says that by chance he arrived at this town that was called initially L-U-Z, Luz or Luz. And then he changed it to Bethel because of what happened when he slept over that, that slept at that town that night. That night when he fell asleep, he saw in a dream, he saw uh, 
a ladder from heaven to earth. And on the ladder, there were angels descending and ascending. Angels descending and ascending. And God made a promise to Jacob. I'm going to take care of you wherever you go. And I'm going to bring you back to your land. And he says, I'm going to preserve you. I'm going to guard. I'm going to watch over you all the days of your life. And I'm going to continue to guard you until I have performed what I have promised to you in Genesis 28, 15. And after this dream, Jacob gets up and he promised to give God a tithe. He promises to give him a tenth of his spoil. I want to say to you, child of God, you're walking in obedience to God and you're wondering, why is it that I tithe? I'll tell you one of the reasons. In Malachi 3, God says, if you bring your tithe, not only will I open the windows of heaven, but he says, I will rebuke the devourer, the one that would want to eat up your harvest, the one that would want to destroy your your crop, the one that would want to take away what I promised to give you, multiplication and abundance. Child of God, Jacob realized something, that those angels going up and down that ladder are representative of the fact that when you are God's child, even though you have enemies that are trying to cheat you, even though you have enemies that are trying to belittle you, God says He will give His angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. They will guard you in all your ways. They will keep you. Listen, I want you to understand, we do face a real enemy. His name is the devil. He is Satan. He is comes like a roaring lion. But if you are walking with the Lord and you say, Lord, I'm going to do what you have called me to do and I'm going to rest in your promises, you can count on when it seems like nobody is standing up for you. Your God will stand up to your enemy. He will rebuke the devourer. So we already see he was blessed with provision. He was blessed with protection. But there's still a bigger and better blessing. So how do we get the bigger and better blessing? We read about it in Genesis 32, verses 22 through 30. Genesis 32, 22 through 30. And he arose that night and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven sons, and crossed over the ford of Jabbok, or Jabbok. He took them, sent them over the brook, and sent out what he had. Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go, for the day breaks. But he, Jacob, said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? He said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob. But Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. And Jacob asked, saying, tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why is it that you ask about my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of the place Penel, for I have seen God face to face. And my life is preserved. In this passage, we have revealed to us what is required in order for us to experience the bigger and better blessing. The bigger and better blessing, first of all, 
requires emptying. The bigger and better blessing requires emptying. You notice where he came to? Jabak. Jabak. It means pouring out or emptying. Listen to me. There is a person who God cannot bless. There is a person who God cannot bless. That person is a person who is full of themselves. You see, the reason why people stay stuck in life and kept from experiencing the fullness of life that God wants them to experience is because they're full of something that is hindering and hampering them from being able to be filled with the blessing God has for their lives. For some of us, the reason why we don't have the peace of God is because we're full of worry and anxiety. Wherein God says to us not to carry the worry, the anxiety, the fear, but He says to present it to Him. In prayer, he's saying to us, pour out your fear, your worry, your anxiety. Let it stop controlling you because in the New Testament, to be full of something means to be controlled by. And whenever you're full of worry, fear, and anxiety, that's what's controlling you. That's what's manipulating you. That's what's dominating you. But the Bible tells us through the psalmist in Psalm 62, verse 8, it says, trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. You see, in order to get the bigger and better blessing, I've got to be willing to empty out what's inside of me. For some of us, it's unresolved anger. For others of us, it's unforgiveness. For others of us, it's jealousy. It's envy. For others of us, it's this feeling of self-confidence that we're all wrapped in, thinking it's all about us and what we can do. But God says, if you want to be filled with what only I can give, what is that, God? A peace that passes all understanding. A joy unspeakable and full of glory. Life and life more abundantly. Then you've got to empty out what's in you. You've got to pour it out before me and understand when you empty out what is in you. It does not leave you in a deficit. It doesn't leave you in a negative position. In fact, it postures you. And positions you to then be able to be filled with God's blessing, with His goodness, with His peace, with His joy, with His life. The bigger and better blessing requires emptying. Secondly, the bigger and better blessing requires wrestling. The bigger and better blessing requires Wrestling. The Bible says there in Genesis 32, a man wrestled with him. Now, in Hosea 12, it says that an angel of the Lord wrestled with Jacob. And there are some theologians and some scholars, some commentators that believe that the angel of the Lord is a reference to a pre-incarnate manifestation of Christ, which in theology is called a theophany. Where God was manifested in human form before the Word became flesh as recorded in John 1. And then there's others that believe, no, it wasn't a man. It wasn't the pre-incarnate Christ. It was an angel. I believe it was Jesus before being manifested in the flesh as we read about in the New Testament. I love what Bible teacher Warren Wearsby writes. 
God meets us at whatever level he finds us in order to lift us where he wants us to be. That's good. Let me say it again. God meets us at whatever level he finds us in order to lift us to where he wants us to be. To Abraham the nomad, God came as a traveler, Genesis 18. And to Joshua the general, he came as a soldier, Joshua 5 verses 13 through 15. Jacob has spent most of his life wrestling with people, Esau, Isaac, Laban, and even his wives. So God came to him as a wrestler. One of my favorite wrestling stories is about a scrawny kid from West Texas who attended a small high school. They didn't have a wrestling program, but he read a book on wrestling and he asked one of the assistant football coaches if he would enter him in some of the wrestling matches in that region. The coach agreed to help the kid. This little guy was neither strong nor skillful, but he had one enduring quality. He refused to give up. He won every single wrestling match because he tenaciously held on to his opponents and wore them down. Oh, you haven't heard? You know how you overcome a gorilla? You wrestle with him. Not till you're tired, but till he's tired. See, this guy knew that. And then he points out, by the end of the season, this guy, he was undefeated and made it to the state finals for his weight classification. The kid's opponent was a two-time state champ and a bona fide college prospect. As a scrawny kid faced the state champion, the guy made a couple of quick moves and soon had the West, West Texas kid on his back and was about to pin him. Coach knew that his athlete was about to lose and he couldn't bear to watch, so he turned his head away. Suddenly, the coach heard the roar of the crowd. His kid was on top of the state champ, pinning him. He had won the match. The little guy bounced across the mat, hugged the coach and said, Coach, I won! I won! The coach said, Sure, son, but I missed it. I turned away just before you were about to lose. What happened? Kid said, Coach, that guy was good. He had me twisted like a pretzel on that mat. But you know me, Coach. I never quit. I refused to give up. So I opened my eyes. And there in front of my face was a big toe. I don't know if it's against the rules or not. But I bit into that big toe with all my strength. And coach, it's amazing what you can do when you bite your own toe. I love that story. Woo! Let me encourage you. If you've ever been tempted to give up on God and His promises, just remember that little guy. Take a grip on the promises of God 
and never release them because God honors persistence. You see, the old saints taught me growing up in the church. They taught me if you need a breakthrough, then pray through. You see, they taught me when you're struggling, when you're dealing with issues in your heart, you come up to the altar and don't you get up until you've had your breakthrough. You see, I've learned that there's some things you got to wrestle for. There's some things you got to wrestle, not because of God's reluctance, but because there's something in me that needs adjustment. There's something in me that needs to be released. There's something in me that needs to be delivered from. I need to be delivered from. And then there's other times you need to wrestle because there's a devil who's determined to keep you from obtaining what God's promised. But my mama and my daddy and the old saints taught me if you will stay on the wrestling match in prayer and persevere, you will see God give you the victory and there will be only one of you standing. It will not be the devil. It will be you. You got to be willing to wrestle. The Apostle Paul commended a gentleman by the name of Epaphras in his letter to the church of Colossae with these words. In Colossians 4.12 in the NIV, look at this. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always, watch, wrestling in prayer for you. Why? That you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I want you to know I have experienced in my life a thousand failures at least. But I'm standing today. Why? Because I made a decision that every time I would fall, I would fall before the Lord on my knees and say, here I am, Lord. I'm not giving up. I pursue you. I seek you. I want your blessing. I want your purpose. I want your promise. And I want you to know that I've discovered that when you have that mindset that I will wrestle, I will struggle, I will strive, I will not back down. God will not leave you to wrestle alone. He will be with you and empower you and enable you to overcome. Jacob continued his wrestling match all night just to be blessed. He was persistent and God encourages persistence in all areas of our lives, including the spiritual. We should be aware of areas in our spiritual lives where we need to be more persistent. Why? Strong character results From struggling under tough conditions. That brings me to the third requirement. The bigger and better blessing requires persevering. Notice a man, it says, wrestled with him until the break of day. This was an all-night wrestling match. And Jacob persevered. Watch this. He wrestled with the Lord. And in the midst of the wrestling match, the Lord struck his hip and displaced it. Disabled Jacob. From that day on, he would be walking with a limp. He would be walking, no longer leaning. On his own understanding, that limp would testify 
This man that for years had been leaning on his scheming, leaning on what his mind could conjure up and, 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 and scheme to get what he wanted, is now wholly leaning on the Lord. Why? Because he persevered. And even after getting his hip knocked out of place, he held on. He said, I'm not letting go. I'm hurting. I'm in pain. But I will not let you go. Because you, you are my solution. You are the blesser. You are the fountain of life. This is why I've learned in my journey why my mama, why my daddy fought the way they did till the end because they knew apart from the Lord, there is no real life. Apart from the Lord, I do not have any help. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. This is why you wrestle. Because even when you're helpless, if you hold on to Him, your help is secure, an anchor that will sustain you no matter how tired you are. The bigger and better blessing requires persevering. As pointed out by Pastor Mike Bickle, Jesus taught his disciples to be persistent and tenacious in prayer. Matthew 7, 7 and 8, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Ask because everyone that asks receiveth. He who seeketh findeth unto him that knocks. The door will be opened. He continues, he called us to ask, seek and knock. These verbs are in the continuous present tense. In other words, we are to ask and keep on asking seek and keep on seeking knock and keep on knocking the apostle Paul who told us we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principality powers rulers of darkness of this age wicked spirits in the heavenlies he exhorts us in Ephesians 6.18 with this command in Ephesians 6.18 in the amplified he exhorts us saying with all prayer and petition pray with specific requests at all times on every occasion and in every season in the spirit and with this in view stay alert with all perseverance and petition interceding in prayer for all God's people Persevere. Persevere. The word perseverance is made up of two words, P-E-R and severe. And it means through severity. Through severity. The only way you and I will get to where God wants to take us is through severity and continuing on regardless. When we ask casually, Little effort to focus our minds on the Lord. It shows that we do not value what we are praying for. On the other hand, when we truly prize something, we're willing to do whatever it takes to search it out. Remember, persistence prevails when all else fails. One more thing that we discover in order for us to experience a bigger and better blessing, the bigger and better blessing requires confessing. The bigger and better blessing requires confessing. Look what it says there in Genesis 32, verses 26 and 27. And he said, let me go, for the day breaks. 
But he said, this is Jacob, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? He said, Jacob. Jacob asked for a blessing. The angel asked him for his name. Why? Because the key for him to experience the bigger and better blessing was him confessing his name. Because his name represented who he was and what he was doing up to that point. Who was he? One who pulled the leg. One who schemed. One who supplanted. One who used deceit in order to get what he wanted. He had to confess. He had to confess. Note again, the change didn't come until after his confession. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, ah, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I know we read this word often, but get it. When we confess our sins, He forgives. In other words, He gives us covering for our guilt. He says, I'll take care of your penalty. I'll pardon you, which will deal with your punishment and will deal with the penalty that you deserve because you're the one that sinned. But watch this, this word for confess, homologeo in the Greek language, it means to say the same thing, to say the same thing. In other words, in our confession, there has to be True honesty. We can't sugarcoat it. We can't downplay our weakness. we got to be straight up honest. Gut honest with God. God! I'm a sinner. God! I'm a cheater. God! I'm a liar. God! I'm driven and controlled by anger. God, I'm a jealous person. Gotta be honest. He says, if you do that, I'll take away your guilt. But watch this. It says, and he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know what that means? Not only is he dealing with your penalty... Your punishment that you deserve, covering your guilt through the blood of His Son. But He says, not only am I going to forgive you for what got you stuck in life, but I'm going to remove from you all that kept you stuck. Why? So that you don't have to stay stuck anymore. In other words, not only am I going to forgive you of the penalty and the punishment of the sin, I'm going to deliver you from its power. No longer will you be dominated. You No longer will you be under the influence of that thing being able to control and manipulate you. If you'll confess to me, not only will I cover for your sins, but I will change you to such a degree that no longer 
will people know you for what you were because I will wash that away. I will cleanse it off your life. I will get it unstuck from you whereby it will no longer be able to manipulate and dominate your life. Woo! And you wonder why I serve Him. Nobody could do this for me. Only He. I couldn't do it for myself. Only Him. Do you know when it happened? When I was willing to say, God, I'm not going to lie. I don't want to say it. I'm ashamed of it. This is what I am right now. This is where I'm stuck at and I'm tired. Then changes you. He delivers you. So as I bring this message to a close, here it is. Everything I've said is to reveal what the bigger and better blessing is. The bigger and better blessing is what God does in you. Not what God does for you. The bigger and better blessing is what God does in you. Not what God does for you. Jacob was already blessed materially. Jacob was already blessed with protection and provision. And yet... He encounters God face to face. Says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. He's blessed. He understood there's a bigger and better blessing. It's what you only can do inside of me. Because here's what Jacob understood and we need to get a hold of. Even all the blessings on the outside of me are stripped away. If I've allowed him to bless me in here, like Job, I can say, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I could be in the midst of the fire. Seeing things being burned off and wondering, when is this going to end? Oh, but then my soul can emphatically and hopefully in the midst of it declare, yet I know that my Redeemer lives. I know you see that on the outside it looks like my life is not all together and it looks like there's stuff that I don't have, but y'all, if you only knew. I don't have to have stuff because 
I have a peace that passes all understanding. I have a joy unspeakable and full of glory because I've come to the place of realizing that if I just yield and surrender to Him, what He does in me will equip me and empower me to be able to face life not as I want it to be, but as it is and still in all things be more than a conqueror through Him who loves me. See, the name Israel also means God striver. One who strives with God. And in Galatians 6.16, not only Jews but Gentiles are called the Israel of God. God strivers. Because you see, God doesn't bless those that seek Him passively. He blesses those that seek Him passionately. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Matthew 5, 6. What I want you to do today is not ask God for what you think you need. I want you to ask Him to bless you with what He knows you need. You need Him to work in here. Stuff, temporal, comes and goes. Oh, but if He works in here, in every season, He'll be in the place to experience His ongoing sustaining and strengthening. After that wrestling match, Jacob now walking like this. He used to walk like this. Now he's walking like this. Some would say he's disabled. Yeah. Watch. He was disabled to be enabled. And I, I'm emotional today. And I'll tell, I wasn't like this in color, but I'll tell you why. Because I've been through this process in my life. And I wouldn't change it for anything. It's not pleasant. It's not something that you feel all joyful about all the time, but I'll tell you, I'm at a point now in my life I watch and read. This is the latest preacher that's succumbed. This is the latest Christian celebrity that is now denying their faith. You can't make me deny Jesus. Because of the work that he's done in my life, I know without a doubt he is who he says he is. But it's taken a process to get here that I wouldn't trade for anything in the world. I'm telling you, the bigger and better blessing is what he does in me. 
Father, I believe you want to bless your people with a blessing that will help us to live life with your peace passes all understanding with your joy unspeakable and full of glory regardless of what's happening on the outside I believe Lord you have a bigger and better blessing it's what you do in me not what you do for me and today I come Jacob say God I'm not going to let you go until you bless me with what you know I need because I know if I have the blessing that you know I need I will have what I need to live life victoriously regardless of what's going on around me and outside that's what I want I'm going to ask those of you that would say Pastor Angel that's what I want to and if you feel led I want you to come to this altar right now you feel comfortable enough come to the altar right now if that's you I want the blessing that I know God knows I need I want it I want the bigger and better blessing that blessing of what he does in me yeah I want him to do a lasting work in my life a work that will be so deep and true It will enable me to outlast any storm. It will enable me in any season to know my Redeemer lives. Yeah, that's it. Come. He's here right now. I know by His Spirit. He's been at work throughout. I've sensed Him. I know He's here. Lord, we come. Do your work in us. Do it, Lord. Do it, Lord. 